Hello, everyone, and welcome to Patriot Underground. Today is September 13th, 2023. Thank you so much for joining me, folks, to discover the truth beneath the surface. As always, I really do appreciate everybody out there taking the time to listen. So tonight, I'm going to provide a situation analysis report, and we're going to discuss a number of different topics as we typically do, including some of the key historical events that led us up to this point, and specifically tracing Trump's emergence onto the political scene. We're also going to get into a discussion of the Smith-Munt Modernization Act of 2012 and how this really paved the way for the expansion of MKUltra programming and ultimately led to the acceleration of the climate change narrative that's now reaching a critical phase. Not only that, it also enabled the entire COVID hoax to be perpetrated under legal cover. So we're going to talk about that. And we're also going to discuss Jim Willie's financial outlook referencing his recent conversation with Ron Partain of the Untold History Channel. And as a part of that discussion, we're going to touch upon BRICS and the geopolitical, financial, and military realignment that's rapidly expanding at the same time as the barometers of awakening are becoming more evident than ever before. And we're going to wrap up the show tonight with an analysis of the path forward. And I will tell you that I'm quite confident that we are in the final stages of this battle, especially now that we're seeing the impeachment of fake Biden move forward. And so the walls are indeed closing in on the enemy. And along those lines, we're going to examine some of the key events which I believe are likely to happen. Some may even say they must happen before the EAS is triggered. And we witness the fall of the cabal as the reversal event follows whatever gut punches are in store for us before justice and victory are finally achieved. So hopefully you folks will enjoy this episode. I hope you've had a wonderful day and an excellent week up until this point. Lots to discuss, so let's just jump right in. Now, the more that time has gone on, the more that I've come to recognize that understanding historical events enables us to better conceptualize where we are right now and how we got to this point. Not only that, it helps us to formulate a better idea of where we're headed. So tonight, I want to begin by providing some commentary focused on the history of Trump's emergence into politics, which requires an understanding of the many connections he's made throughout his life, particularly with his mentor and personal attorney, Roy Cohn. Now, in order to frame this portion of our analysis, I think it's important to start off by pointing out that the silent war between the alliance and the deep state was for many decades defined at the nation state level particularly during the Cold War, when the general population was concerned about communist infiltration into the government, and of course, the military and the entertainment industry. And we also need to mention as a part of this discussion, the historical impact of Joseph McCarthy, who was connected to Roy Cohn as well, but I'll get to that in a moment. Now, as most of us are aware at this point, historically, nation-state level conflicts engineered by the deep state behind the scenes, have completely escaped the consciousness of the masses. And if you go back to the 1950s, certainly this was the case, because the enemy enjoyed almost complete control over the flow of information. But due to the rise of information technology, and certainly the Q-drops, humanity has collectively come to identify this conflict for what it truly is, a battle against evil perpetrated by a very small group, representing a hidden hand pitting nations and their people against each other. So when the Cold War ended and the internet came along, 
the illusion of geopolitics as an ongoing organic interaction between countries has essentially dissolved in the eyes of the awakened. And this consciousness is spreading exponentially throughout the world. We've come to identify a common enemy at the core of all the wars, diseases, and calamities that are plaguing mankind. Virtually all of them have been manufactured by the cabal. And it's vitally important to understand that as humanity's consciousness has been steadily rising, particularly in the post-9-11 era, the cabal has recognized this shift and sought to counter a rising distrust of authority with disinformation and MKUltra program. The enemy knew consciousness was rising, so they needed to confuse people with deception and prevent unification around the truth by causing deep divisions in our society, also in an effort to prevent our ascension. And they knew exactly how to do this by manipulating the fact that the public had already come to accept authority as truth. And the masses had already been unwittingly roped into the information control matrix of the mainstream media, particularly in the form of TV programming, which of course had its early days coincide with those of the Cold War. So all the enemy needed were accelerants to get ahead of this rising consciousness, which always precedes ascension. And these accelerants were in the form of false flag traumatic events to get the public to abandon logic in favor of the illusion of security. And of course, in order to pull this off, they needed the three-letter agencies to manufacture and manipulate the dispensation and content of information to get the public to acquiesce to their agenda and simultaneously create a hostility to the truth that we've so often talked about on this show. So this has been ongoing behind the scenes for a lot longer than many people realize. And considering I mentioned McCarthyism during the onset of tonight's show, let's go back in time for a few minutes to discuss how this conflict has evolved since the end of World War II. And then we're going to fast forward to the Obama years to put a finer point on how we got here and Trump's emergence onto the political scene. Okay, so earlier I mentioned Trump's connection to very powerful individuals. And one of those people was Roy Cohn, his personal attorney. Now, a lot of people out there are very familiar with Roy Cohn and the influence he had on Trump's political ideology, but many don't understand the role that he played during the McCarthy era, and even earlier during the investigation and subsequent prosecution of the Rosenbergs for espionage. So as the basis for this discussion, let's go back to the onset of the Cold War and the days of Joseph McCarthy's attempt to root out communist infiltration from the military, the government, and the entertainment industry. Now, it's very interesting. When you look up McCarthyism in the American Heritage Dictionary, it's defined as, quote, the political practice of publicizing accusations of disloyalty or subversion with insufficient regard to evidence, end quote. And it also offers, quote, the use of methods of investigation and accusation regarded as unfair in order to suppress opposition, end quote, as an alternative definition. And isn't it fascinating that when you connect the dots between McCarthy, Roy Cohn, and Trump, you can readily identify that the witch hunt against Trump perfectly fits the cabal's own definition of McCarthyism. So I think it's very telling 
that Trump frequently uses the term witch hunt, understanding very well the historical connotations of that word. But understanding and tracing the history of the Cold War is really at its core a study of cabal infiltration into the levers of power here in the United States. And this goes back to the Rosenberg trial in the 50s, during which Roy Cohn was a lead prosecutor. And of course, this led to the efforts of Joseph McCarthy. And by the way, Cohn worked directly with Senator McCarthy during the Red Scare of the 1950s to expose this infiltration. And I also find the timing of the McCarthy era very interesting in terms of its proximity to the assassination of John F. Kennedy. What was defined at the time as a nation-state-level conflict between the USSR and the USA was really an early iteration of patriots versus the cabal. And although very few understood it that way during this point in history, the efforts to root out communist subversives was enormously popular in the 50s. And even though the Supreme Court eventually made rulings that brought McCarthyism to an end, it essentially was the national spirit at the time, which led to the election of JFK in 1960, who was overtly anti-communist. And he promised to shatter the CIA into a thousand pieces. Now, even though they were imperfect and seemingly at odds on certain issues, these individuals from McCarthy to Cohn to JFK were all ideologically aligned as patriots who understood that our country was being taken down from within. And I think you could draw a similar comparison between Trump and RFK in the sense that they're optically opposed to one another, but ideologically aligned on all the core issues, from taking down the three-letter agencies to Big Pharma to 9-11 to the military-industrial complex the deception of the mainstream media, on and on and on. And so when you look at Trump's alignment with Roy Cohn and JFK Jr., you can see how the war went underground for many years until Trump's candidacy announcement pushed it out into the open for all of us to see, at the same time as the Q operation was getting ready to launch. Now we can readily identify that there's always been a contingent of patriots passing the baton to new generations of warriors to continue this battle against evil. And what the cabal historians call the witch hunts of McCarthy were actually patriotic initiatives intended to root out what was understood at the time to be communist infiltration. But at a deeper level, we now understand that this was simply a cabal tactic to destroy a country from within using the divide and conquer strategy. So as I said before, I do believe that it's very interesting that Trump refers to his persecution as a witch hunt. Not only is he giving the term a proper context and definition, but he's also using that word because of its association with McCarthyism to connect the dots historically and to reveal his pedigree as the modern figurehead opposing cabal infiltration on all levels of society. Now, most patriots do know, as I mentioned before, that Roy Cohn was Trump's personal lawyer and mentor. But many people out there don't really understand this individual's role in history. And even though Trump doesn't mention him by name, he knows that the general public is undergoing a great awakening. 
and learning to discern calms like never before in history. So when he uses the term witch hunt, he's prompting us to make these historical connections between himself, Cohn, and McCarthy. And in so doing is enabling us to understand what's really been going on behind the scenes for decades as this war has raged on. But again, it's vitally important to understand that it was the spirit of McCarthyism, which was a populist movement at its core, that led to the emergence and popularity of JFK, whose assassination began this phase of the war, the modern Q operation, and led to Trump's close relationship with JFK Jr. So what Trump is doing with these comms is revealing his role as an infiltrator of the deep state, who, like his mentor Roy Cohn, played both sides of the war to keep his enemies close. Roy Cohn knew where all the bodies were buried in a political context, and this is all knowledge that he imparted to Trump. Not only that, Roy Cohn was heavily involved in the takedown of pedophiles, not just here in the United States, but also in the Vatican. And this may have had something to do with the reason that the first Pope, John Paul, was killed only a couple months into his papacy because he was trying to clean up the church. And Roy Cohn was actually playing a very important role in that process. And we saw that taking down pedophiles and addressing human trafficking was amongst the first initiatives that Trump took on when he got into office. In addition, Roy Cohn was the architect of a vast informant network targeting cabal players, very similar to Trump's role in the Q operation. And when you look up Cohn and you look up McCarthy and you see how the mainstream media demonizes these men, once again, we can clearly identify the similarities in how they've attacked Trump. And for the same reasons. Anyone who opposed their takeover was demonized or killed. And this, of course, leads to the discussion about the connections between Trump and JFK Jr. Now, I personally believe that Trump was intent on running for president after his early mentoring and education stemming from his relationships with Richard Nixon and Roy Cohn. Yes, I believe he was invited to run by the Q generals, but this decision was made years before that. The generals simply told him, now is the time. Trump didn't just come out of nowhere, and his friendship with JFK Jr. was no coincidence. Remember that there's a long line of patriots in Trump's political lineage, like we've been discussing, from McCarthy to Nixon to Cohn, all the way to JFK Jr. He sought out that friendship based upon a mutual understanding of the cabal takeover operation and the CIA's assassination of the 35th president. This plan was designed decades ago, folks, and all the historical dots are indeed emerging as the result of the Q drops and Trump's comms. He's painting a picture of what led us to this point in history, and this is all being done in preparation for the reversal of an enemy coup, which is widely understood to have taken place with JFK's assassination. And the objectives of this mission haven't changed. This is about reversing the enemy infiltration, which led to the killing of JFK, and continuing to root out the blackmail, 
and the widespread pedophilia at the depths of the swamp. And so in order to prevent the truth from coming out, the deep state has been waging information war, particularly since the Obama years and the Smith-Munt Modernization Act, which originated in the late 1940s under President Truman just after the CIA was established in 1947. And we're going to discuss that in a bit more detail in just a moment. But it's key to understand that what occurred was not just a presidential coup back in 1963, but an ideological one rooted in MKUltra programming to prevent the ascension of humanity and derail the populist patriotic wave that was sweeping the country in the late 50s and ultimately led to JFK's election in 1960. That same energy was usurped, co-opted, and misdirected by the enemy after the assassination took place. They used trauma, consistent with the principles of MKUltra programming, to redirect the consciousness of the masses to the mainstream media and the entertainment industry, which, by the way, was one of the major pillars that Joseph McCarthy was targeting to identify this infiltration. Now, a moment ago, I mentioned the Smith-Munt Modernization Act, which happened in the beginning of Obama's second term in 2012. In essence, what happened was Obama gave the mainstream media legal cover to allow government propaganda to masquerade as news. Now, in its original form, the Smith-Munt law had made it illegal for government-produced propaganda to be reported as fact back in the 1940s. I think it was 1948 that it was originally passed. Three-letter agency disinformation was only to be directed at foreign enemies. But just like we've learned along the way of this journey, we the people have always been the deep state's nemesis, whereas the manufactured enemies that drive nation states to war are ultimately being puppeteered by the cabal behind the scenes. And all throughout history, they've manipulated our goodness and our patriotism into coercing compliance with their agenda that's secretly targeted at our destruction. Look no further than the Patriot Act for an example in the days and weeks following 9-11. So this paved the way for the expansion of MKUltra programming to the masses through mainstream media like never before in history, and really led to the mass formation psychosis that we see on full display today, and certainly saw on full display during the height of COVID. Not only that, this action taken by Obama also enabled academia to pose as authority based upon complete deception, using false government propaganda as a basis for what they claim are facts, when in reality, it's all traced back to lies that Obama legalized in preparation to carry out multiple different phases of the 16-year plan to destroy America. And in addition to that, the modernization of Smith-Munt also allowed for the COVID narrative to roll out, with big pharma and the medical community claiming that they were supported by the science, which was the total inverse of the truth. All of these crimes were rationalized by outright lies spit out by the CIA. And as if that wasn't bad enough, it also paved the way for more censorship on the basis of challenging what they falsely claim are facts. 
And it enabled them to ratchet up the whole climate change narrative as well. The mainstream media at this point literally blames everything on climate change to the point where it's become a caricature. It's so ridiculous. But that doesn't mean that they're not serious about it. Folks, the entire population has been conditioned to think that authority is truth as opposed to the opposite. And the Smith-Munt Modernization Act enabled this to happen. This is why so many people don't believe anything unless it's on mainstream media. Like Jan Halper Hayes recently said. And by the way, she's an individual who spends all of her time studying the mental and emotional construct within our population. She said that the sleepers, the normies, don't have rational and critical thinking ability. And rather, they embrace herd mentality, which is absolutely right. Why is that? Well, it's largely because universities indoctrinate younger people with subjective thinking, and they reward it as an intentional strategy to kill critical thinking. This is a groupthink tactic developed by the cabal that was first beta tested in the Soviet Union. And now we see how this cancer has spread across the world. And isn't it ironic that Russia is the tip of the spear in taking on the deep state and bringing down this enemy that wielded this against his own country? I think it's absolutely beautiful, poetic justice. But as this great awakening continues to expand, more people are becoming skeptical. Cognitive dissonance is being induced purposefully to break the MKUltra programming that's been on steroids since the Smith-Munt Modernization Act in 2012. But the reality of the matter here, folks, is that people are waking up in droves. And this is particularly unfortunate for the cabal because it's happening simultaneously as the financial debt prison matrix continues to crumble all around us, which, of course, is the source of their power and their control over humanity. And in order to better understand the dynamics of what's happening economically, I'm going to reference some of the intel that Jim Willie recently dropped on the Untold History Channel with Ron Partain. Folks know that I closely follow Jim's analysis to understand the truth of what's really going on on the financial front. Now, it's very interesting because contrary to what a lot of people might expect, the dollar is very likely going to increase in value according to its exchange rate with other countries until being ultimately replaced with the gold-backed U.S. note. And in order to explain this principle by way of example, if we look at Japan and analyze what selling $200 billion in treasury bonds did to their currency over a 12-month period, we can better understand the paradox of an increasingly powerful dollar leading to its irrelevance. So as Jim explains, when the Japanese sold their treasury bonds, the yen went down 23% in relation to the U.S. dollar. And it caused a major crisis, which was accentuated when they printed more money to cover their debt. Not only that, there were also many mid-level officials assassinated as this was happening in an attempt by the cabal to intimidate them into submission. But the Japanese persevered and continued their policy of de-dollarization. So like Japan, all major central banks are eventually going to sell their treasury bonds to acquire gold which increases the value of the U.S. dollar based upon the fiat exchange rates and demand for precious metals to participate 
in the BRICS trade mode. However, this increase in the relative value of the dollar is a dead cat bounce because the reason the bonds are being sold is because the US dollar is toxic. And our debt is recognized all over the world as insurmountable. And so all of these countries are damaging their own currencies in the short term to dethrone the king dollar in the long term. So this raises the question, what happens in the long term as this continues? Well, because the exchange rate of every currency is pegged to the dollar, much like most altcoins in the digital currency world are pegged to Bitcoin, when treasury bonds are sold, the value of the US dollar increases on the surface due to short-term demand. But if the US dollar is being rejected for trade settlement at the same time all over the world, and new treasury bonds are not being purchased to finance our debt, pushing us into hyperinflation and ultimately default, which will completely reveal our insolvency, the reality is that the dollar is actually losing value based upon its relevance as a trade settlement tool. So the increases that we're going to see as the dollar is being phased out are only in relation to the foreign countries who hold our debt in the form of treasury bonds. When the bonds are sold in mass, the US dollar rises in relation to the foreign currency selling their bonds. But a fiat currency is only truly of value based upon its viability in trade settlement and the confidence it inspires, or lack thereof. So how much value does a currency really have if its fiat value increases due to a lack of confidence by foreign nations? The answer is not much. Folks, what's really happening is that fiat currencies are being transitioned into precious metal-backed currencies. And an entirely new system is rolling out through the BRICS alliance, which I do believe to be Jasara. And it's key to understand that what gives the fiat Federal Reserve note any value whatsoever is the acquisition and retention of treasury bonds by foreign nations that own our debt. And conversely, the sale of treasury bonds only provides a temporary boost as other nations are exiting the dollar. So the increase in the value of the dollar is only in relation to the fiat exchange rate. And therefore, it's entirely superficial. The goal here is to make the dollar irrelevant all over the world. And this is the trajectory that we're on. Eventually, the US is not going to have any choice but to embrace precious metal-backed currency. Think of it this way. The fiat system is like monopoly money. All of the central banks tied to the fiat dollar have different forms of this monopoly money. And as they sell off their treasury bonds, the fiat dollar increases for the reasons that we just discussed. But here's the key. The world has decided it's no longer playing Monopoly. They're walking away from the game board. So again, this is about isolation through de-dollarization. So if you end up with the most valuable currency in the game of Monopoly, it doesn't matter if every other player is walking away from the game. What you have is essentially worthless if you can't use it for anything. And that's where this financial realignment is headed. De-dollarization is the real barometer, not the value of the US dollar in relation to currencies from foreign nations who are dumping the dollar. So from a 40,000 foot perspective, folks, 
fiat currency is being isolated on the world stage. And when we have no ability to settle trade internationally, the U.S. economy is going to come to a standstill. There will be no more imports, which is a major problem considering that we don't manufacture much here in the United States anymore. And what's more, the BRICS alliance has maneuvered in such a way that other nations are no longer dependent on our exports. They've done this primarily by renegotiating energy and security alliances with China and Russia. Not only that, they don't need our treasuries to buy oil and gas. And they can't be easily intimidated by the U.S. military, which essentially backs the dollar through force due to Chinese and Russian military alliances. And for an example, look no farther than the recent coups in Niger and Gabon. And as I've stated, this is going to spread throughout the entire continent of Africa. Now, China's involvement in all of this is quite complex. And I would contend that understanding the news out of China is similar to analyzing the illegitimate Biden regime here in the U.S. Because the reality is that China is split between the CCP and Chinese patriots. The CCP, as we know, is pushing for the expansion of the social credit system. They want this to spread into all of the BRICS nations. And I believe that Xi Jinping is functioning in a similar manner as Trump in terms of optics and playing both sides for tactical reasons, primarily to weaken the CCP while appearing to be at the helm. And we can see this happening in real time as the BRICS nations are rejecting the social credit system of the CCP, which in my view was rolled out much in the same way as the jab, to show people the tyranny of the deep state. And at the BRICS summit in Johannesburg recently, we saw this initiative squarely and unequivocally rejected, which is evidence of white hat control behind the scenes of the BRICS trade union. That is massive. Keep in mind, folks, the social credit system is a UN Rockefeller Rothschild construct aligned with Agenda 2030. And it's being rejected by the BRICS nations, the most powerful being Russia and China. And if you really stop and think about it for a moment, given China's role in this worldwide realignment, and its overall economic and military power, do you think that its social credit system would be so easily dismissed if President Xi actually supported it and wasn't preparing to upend the very same system within his own country at the appropriate time, which I happen to believe is rapidly approaching? To me, the answer to that question is a resounding no. But either way, the reality is that the CCP agenda is not being adopted by all of these other countries that are supposedly their allies. China is being told to stick with de-dollarization as their primary central theme and to no longer continue pushing the deep state social credit system. So I believe that President Xi pushed this out there so that it would be rejected by the BRICS allies. And the CCP would lose power and influence by virtue of having their agenda sidelined. Not only that, his close relationship with Trump and Putin can't be forgotten. 
He's playing both sides to maneuver the CCP, which is a deep state tentacle, into a position of isolation. Much in the same way the U.S. dollar is being maneuvered into isolation as well. So regardless of whether Xi Jinping is a white hat or not, and there are a lot of people who have varying different opinions on this, the CCP social credit agenda is being stonewalled by the world's largest military and economic alliance, which is a positive development by any metric. Okay, so this really leads into the final subject that I wanted to discuss tonight, which is what needs to happen before the EAS is triggered. Now, certainly over the past several weeks, we've seen quite an escalation in virtually every vector, which to me indicates that we're in the final phases before the reversal event, which we know is going to begin with the EAS. And by the way, the EAS is being tested nationwide on October 4th. And you'll recall, I mentioned earlier in the show tonight that we now have an active impeachment inquiry into Biden which is running parallel with the ongoing witch hunt against Trump and the ongoing investigation of Hunter and his laptop. And in a recent show, you'll recall that I discussed the emergence of the Trump card. This was an analysis of Josh Reed's podcast, which I thought was excellent, where he talks about the Trump card in the form of irrefutable evidence stemming from the military sting operation, which involved monitoring the 2020 election a process for which Trump created the legal framework during his first term, including Executive Order 13848, which was actually renewed. Now, in my view, these are events that must occur before the EAS in order to demonstrate the inability to achieve justice within the DOJ. This is in and of itself a vitally important acknowledgement that has to happen in order to provide the military with the proper legal justification and overwhelming public support for over-intervention and temporary martial law while disclosure and mass arrests occur. Now, on the geopolitical front, we see very clearly that North Korea is being maneuvered into a position to play a vitally important role in the coming scare-necessary event. I've repeatedly postulated that Kim Jong-un would emerge as a key player in the Pacific Rim, aligning with Russia and China in the optics-driven World War III scenario where a nuclear exchange appears to be imminent. This is the near-death experience. And so I do believe that we will see these developments occur prior to the EAS. I also spoke tonight about the financial unraveling that's continuing to accelerate. And indeed, I do believe there is going to be at least one, possibly several major black swan events that are very likely to coincide with the lockdowns that we know are coming, whether they're due to COVID round two or some sort of climate emergency justification, we can see that the narrative is being prepped for another lockdown. And you see, I happen to think that lockdowns from a tactical standpoint are necessary prior to the triggering of the EAS because the alliance has a vested interest in keeping people indoors and out of public venues as much as possible ahead of announcing a national emergency and military intervention. The last thing that they want is a bunch of people at concerts and football games and out in the general public when this happens. 
because the whole objective here is to minimize the amount of chaos and unnecessary casualties when this finally goes down. And on that point, I'll take it a step farther. I happen to think that the first round of COVID was at least in part a beta test by the White Hats to see how the public would react to lockdowns and to get the people accustomed to emergency procedures ahead of what's coming. Now, certainly there were other objectives as well. There always are. But I do believe this was one of the major ones. And isn't it interesting that they're running the same exact playbook going into the next election cycle? This is all designed to wake up as many people as possible before the hammer finally drops. And so as far as the timeline is concerned, certainly all of us are hoping and praying for all of this to wrap up before the end of this year. But we also have to keep in mind that Trump's trial is slated to begin in March of 2024. And we also have to remember that this is exactly when the deep state rolled out the first pandemic. So given all the similarities that we're seeing in terms of their known playbook, I think it's very likely that we're going to see the real draconian lockdown measures kick in right around that time frame, because Trump is going to be exercising his subpoena power to relitigate the 2020 election, not to mention all of the other crimes that are going to come to the surface during this process. So I believe this is going to be the real moment when the floodgates open. And the deep state is forced to play all of their cards in response. And we know that they're planning a major false flag event to blame on patriots, very likely associated with the 30,000 tons of ammonium nitrate that went missing on the train from California. And indeed, there's also the strong likelihood that we could see an attack on the grid as well in order to prevent full disclosure from happening. I do think that these events will precede the EAS. Could I be wrong? Absolutely. We'll have to wait and see how things play out. Now, we've also seen the steady amplification of the alien invasion narrative. We've talked a lot about that recently. And just today, we heard that Mexico released photographs of non-human corpses recovered from UFOs. So there's definitely some sort of play in the works on that front. We know that. But I continue to be persuaded that it will be in 2024, as opposed to the quicker timeline that all of us want. Now, I understand a lot of people are going to give me flack for that, and that's okay. I'm just giving you folks my honest analysis. And we should also mention the war in Ukraine, which, as we know, is a proxy war between the deep state military arm of NATO and the alliance. This has to be resolved as well. And, of course, there's also the issue of China making kinetic moves to reunite Taiwan with the mainland and in the process take out whatever remaining dumbs and biolabs that still exist in that deep state stronghold. Now, whether or not this will occur before or after the EAS remains to be seen, but my instinct tells me that these alliance operations need to be completed before the White Hats are ready to manage the fallout here in the U.S. and, of course, in other places across the world. So during this time frame, from where we are right now until whenever the EAS is triggered, we're going to see the enemy continue to use their HARP weather modification weapons and DARPA technology to cause as much chaos and suffering and death as possible 
while they are on their way out. This is a scorched earth policy that we're dealing with here, folks. And of course, as we're still investigating the directed energy weapon attack on Lahaina, we just saw a massive earthquake in Morocco and a major flood in Libya as the most recent examples of the deep state's attempt to derail the alliance. But none of it is ultimately going to be effective. Nothing can stop what's coming. Folks, this has been a long and arduous journey indeed. And the struggles we face that have come to define our lives during these last few years together has changed each of us irreversibly into what God always intended for us to be. This has been a crucible unlike any other in history that has resulted in the unification of God's warriors to face down evil in the final climactic battle to take our planet back and with it, our destiny to ascend to the fifth dimension and beyond. Along the way of this path that each of us chose because our spirit wouldn't have it any other way, all of us have suffered losses. All of us have made sacrifices. And this is the nature of war. And rather than being weakened by these sacrifices and these losses, God has used this calamity to strengthen our faith and reinforce our will to fight until we have achieved full victory. The wise have always known that there's nothing worth having that comes easy. It's the challenge that awakens the soul. When adversity is unavoidable and the only way forward is wrought with pain and the fear of the unknown. But each of us have embraced these truths and committed ourselves to defying evil regardless of the cost. And this is why we were chosen. God knew our hearts. So as we continue to move into the eye of the storm and everything is appearing to crumble all around us, remember, it's always darkest just before the dawn, just as evil will become most visible before the light of God diminishes its power and its dominion over his people. We are living in extraordinary times, my fellow patriots, times that are going to be analyzed and celebrated and ultimately immortalized by all of our future progeny. Like George Washington famously said, the fate of unborn millions will now depend under God on the courage and conduct of this army. Our cruel and unrelenting enemy leaves us only the choice of brave resistance or the most abject submission. We have, therefore, to resolve to conquer or die. Folks, I'm here to tell you that resolution has already been made within each of us. And indeed, we will conquer. And instead of death, a golden age pioneered by all of us awaits on the other side of this storm. Hold the line, patriots. God wins, and the best is yet to come. All right, everybody, hopefully you enjoyed this podcast. Please take a moment to hit that like button if you did, and also let me know what you thought in the comments. Make sure you're following me on all the different platforms I'm on. I'm on BitChute, Rumble, Podbean, and Odyssey. And for folks out there who want to support my work, you can click on the link in the description for patriotunderground.locals.com, and you can be a monthly supporter. For $5 a month, you'll get 
first access to all of my new content. You'll get access to the Patriot Underground chats and some other live content that I'm planning on rolling out very soon. This is a great way to support my work. You can also make a one-off donation. And I have to say thank you to everybody out there who has been supporting me financially. God bless each and every one of you. I understand that not everybody can. And as far as I'm concerned, the support that my audience gives me in whatever form they can give it to me, I am eternally grateful for. I also wanted to mention my merch store, patriotunderground.shop. You can click on the link in the description, pick up a t-shirt, a hoodie, a beer mug, a sticker, lots of really cool items on there, affordably priced. It also helps me out. So thank you to everybody out there who's made a purchase. I also want to direct folks to a couple other links before I sign off tonight. The first one is grassfedinusa.com slash patriotunderground. Some of the best steaks that I've ever tasted in my life. Grass-fed, no hormones, no antibiotics, no mRNA injections, no magnets sticking to them, just pure deliciousness, folks, delivered directly to your door at prices that slay the competition. Check it out today, folks. This is a patriotic company that's standing shoulder to shoulder with us, supporting truthers like myself and getting the message out there to everybody. You might as well do your shopping with the good guys. And on that note, there's a link where you can do exactly that. Switch-stores.com slash Patriot Underground. This is where you're going to want to go to sign up for all of your household and personal items to be delivered to you at incredible prices. These are these are non-toxic products manufactured in the United States by a company that is ideologically and politically aligned with our mission. This is a no-brainer, folks. These are products you're going to purchase regardless. You might as well ditch the big box conglomerates, switch stores today with switch-stores.com slash Patriot Underground. And finally, folks, PatriotUndergroundSilver.com and PatriotUndergroundGold.com. Now is the time to convert your 401k and your IRA into precious metals. It's time to ditch the dollar, folks. The BRICS countries are doing it. We talked about it tonight. We laid it all out. You heard Jim Willie talk about this. You've heard Dr. Scott Young and many other great patriots out there, the real financial analysts. And quite frankly, folks, all you have to really do is just read the tea leaves to see where all of this is headed. When the EAS goes off, you do not want your retirement account to be tied up in the dollar, to be tied up in the stock market. We have a very small window of opportunity before this actually occurs. We don't know. It could be tomorrow. It could be sometime in 2024, which is kind of what I was suggesting tonight. But regardless, folks, we're not talking about a long period of time to make this decision. This is a very smart move to protect all of the wealth that you've worked your entire life to earn, your energy, your contribution to this world in the form of money. Don't let them steal that from you. Roll it over into precious metals, gold and silver. I can't emphasize enough, folks, how important it is to get out of the dollar as quickly as you possibly can. PatriotUndergroundSilver.com or PatriotUndergroundGold.com. Click that link today, folks. My team will contact you. It's a very easy process, and this will be the best financial decision that you've ever made. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back soon with another report. But until then, God bless and Godspeed. Patriot out.